Hello. Hello. Mr. Jaffe? Oh my god. Who's... Is is this Lyle? It is. You can tell, though, because I'm in the same room as you. Oh. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I've had my eyes closed. Welcome to Geek Speak, Ben. Is that what this is? This is a bit of a Geek Speak. It's kind of crazy. It is. What's today? Today is the 22nd of April, 2019. A Monday. And I've been working at Netflix for over five years, and I've loved a lot of it. Yes. And you and I know each other because when I was at UCSC. You got me a job. Do you remember how? I met you because I was doing a production, a theater production, and we were going to borrow some equipment from the Digital Arts and New Media Department. That was me. (laughs) That was you. (laughs) And we ended up in the room that you store everything in. I was saying like, oh yeah, well, an eighth inch TRS isn't actually an eighth of an inch. It's 3.5 millimeters. And you interrupted me. Do you want a job? (laughs) (laughs) So I ended up becoming your assistant. And I think you're actually the first student assistant in that role. And after, for years after that, after you, I'd, I'd have people uh, work for me do the same kind of role, including, I believe, at one point, Miles did that as well, which is kind of funny. Miles did that? Yeah. He, well, he definitely worked for me there. So I've, I've, Oh, that's funny. I yeah. didn't know that. Anyway, Miles also, of course, a regular on Geekspeak, as are you. Soon after that, you came on the show. You've been on hundreds of them yeah. at this point. And actually, similar story. I was talking to you. I was in your office, and we were geeking out about something. And you interrupted me, and you said, "Do you want to be? On, do you want to come on the radio? That's right. <laughs> do the show with me." So, uh, yeah. So, a few years ago, I actually suggested that you talk to someone here at Netflix um, for potentially a developer role. This is before you started at Facebook when you were working yeah. at Udacity. Yeah. Was that when I interviewed? Yeah. Yeah, I interviewed yeah. and didn't get it because you know call you back. Well, yeah. I mean, interview. So I always try when I'm being inspirational as a teacher because that that's what I did for a while. I always say like. Don't take, don't take a failure at an interview as uh, an, as evidence that you're really bad at whatever your interview. But also, don't take a success. Don't take getting the job as evidence that you're all that. You know? Are you saying as I'm they not all say. that? No, I'm saying like you. You're pretty cool. Like, let's say that your skill is. 50% of it, and then you roll the die, and, and there's your math.random there. That's the other 50%. And then you've got some cutoff, some threshold that's – so um, a lot of it a lot of it is luck. But, uh, yeah, it didn't get it the first time. But you've been happily at uh, Facebook since for a while yeah, now, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a good company. But um, How long were you there? I was there for three and a half years. Wow. Cool. Yeah. And today is my anniversary of working at Netflix. My zeroth anniversary. Your aught. Your zeroth. You yeah. started working here. So once again, you get me a job. Thanks a lot. Kind of. It's really yeah. interesting because, of course, someone um, on one of the other teams contacted me a yeah. while ago and was like, hey, you know, do you know Ben Jaffe through, you know, I see on LinkedIn, you know him? I'm like, yeah, I know him. <laughs> I've heard of him. <laughs> he's like, uh, is he interested in leaving Facebook and coming to Netflix? I'm like, no, he's not. But he's like, are you sure? I mean, you should ask. I'm like, all right, I'll ask. And you did. And about, about 45 minutes later, maybe it was an hour and a half later, I text him back. He was like, and I said, yeah, he actually is kind of interested. And he's like, oh, you talked to him on the phone? I was like, no, no, he came over for coffee. You're like, <laughs> you're like down the street. So you came over yeah. the same, within like a couple hours, we'd had coffee together, chatted, and you were like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, pretty funny. maybe. I mean, it's a good role. And the thing that's really funny is that you're, you've actually been hired and are starting working on the team that I used to be on. 
Um, and so all the all your colleagues, except for the new people, the new person that's with you, I know them all really well and worked yeah. for a while. And so that's you. You did the phone screening. I'm gonna I tell you a little secret. Ben. I can't stop following you. <laughs> You're not following me in any way. That's not the way it is. I am following. You're surpassing you. me, and I'm. I'm no, that's only I'm drafting. Okay. I'm drafting beer. Sure. We draft. Yeah, that's what friends do. Yeah, it's true. It was I really mean, you know, eventually I'll get you a job and it'll be equal. That's what happens. I'm sure. Um, at one point, you guys will be hiring on that team and all. I mean, that there. that that happened with Miles, right? Yeah, yeah. Did, Miles, like, and Miles I, got your job and then you got Miles. Miles was job, one or? point my manager. He hired me, and at one point he was my manager, and then later I hired him. And yeah, you know, and then you, you were in the tech manager. industry long enough, and it all comes around. Yeah, you know, when you were interviewing, it was really interesting, of course, because people are asking me, so you, you know recommendation stuff i i hook you up with uh maxine you're now manager my former uh-huh. manager you guys are having coffee together and i walk away and i'm like oh, that's kind of neat this, this would be a trip if it happens yeah and then um i remember when you got off the phone the phone screen inter- phone screen which is kind of a technical phone screen with joey who's uh-huh. team, and uh he gets off the phone with you and he's like lyle you know you know ben i'm like because <laughs> <laughs> i'm being a joke you know yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and he goes wow I'm like, what did it, did it go well? Don't tell me anything. Like, it was this weird thing where I didn't really want to ask and, and know, but I guess it worked well because you're here. Uh-huh. It's kind of cool. Yeah. But he was definitely impressed with you, as as of everybody that I've talked to. So, congratulations. I'm I'm glad. If they weren't impressed with me and somehow I got the job. That'd be weird. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That'd be a weird place to work. This is really surreal. <laughs> it's really strange. This is really strange When we said me. goodbye to each other earlier today, we didn't know we were going to do this podcast, and I said... Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. And you're like, yeah, see you tomorrow. Whoa. <laughs> like, I've never, I, I don't know. It's been 10 years since been, I've said that? It's been 10 years since Eight we were seeing years, I don't know. Yeah, weird. College. It's really weird. So, what was the hiring process like for Netflix? Now, keep in mind, I do the We Are Netflix podcast, yeah. right? So, I'm pretty aware of what we talk about, what we can and cannot talk about. So, it's totally fine for us to chat about this and all. I'll pull out stuff if it's uh, inappropriate. Right. But in general, I'm kind of curious because a big part of the idea of netflix in some ways on the outside is that it's it's very selective yeah it's it's i don't know i guess i i tried to not think about that very much how was the process what would you think about as you were doing it so the i don't know it's it's weird because i i guess you go through your life gaining competency in in all of the different things that you do whether that's professionally or music or or art or uh sports I have no competency in sports. And um but but it's odd because to some degree it's invisible. Like you don't see you don't get as much reflection of your own competence in areas reflected back to you mm-hmm. as much as you see other people and you think wow that guy really knows his stuff and that that woman really knows her stuff and like I, I don't know where I am exactly in that, right? And so it's it's interesting to go, I guess interviewing is is interesting for that reason to me, is you go into this interview and um, ideally you go in with a mindset of, I'm just going to try to have fun. And and then you find out that you did really well. And you think like, is that because I'm really good at what I do or did I get lucky or like, like what, ex- what happened here, you know? Yeah. So, so I don't know. Um, it was... It was just fun. It was a fun interview process. Like when I was talking to Joey on the phone and he was asking me all these uh, all these JavaScript questions primarily. Uh, and he's asking me all these questions. And I'm like, I, I actually know this pretty well. Like I hadn't had that mirror held up to me for the, the last three and a half years ever since 
I interviewed at Facebook and I got asked asked similar questions. So um, I guess for me, it was an interesting, an in, the interviewing process was an interesting process of self-reflection for me, I guess. Interesting. Do you, did from that experience, do you now have faith that you're a strong engineer or do you still go, how, how am I here? <laughs> I, I do actually. It, it's taken me a really long time in my career to get to the point where I don't feel imposter syndrome every day. Now <laughs> I'm so glad you added that every day. Every day. Come on, man. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I totally feel it. I, I feel it all the time. But um, I guess there are moments where someone will be talking about something and I'll think to myself like, oh, yeah, I got that. Like, or, yeah, I'm, I feel comfortable asking a question about this. And I feel comfortable that my question is not going to be extremely rudimentary. Yeah. And people are not going to think I'm stupid and all that stuff. Like, those thoughts came earlier in my career. Uh, I still do have those thoughts, but they're a little less cartoonish, if that makes sense. Yeah. They're, they're more like, um, I, I guess, what do I not know? that I don't know rather than, Oh, I know nothing, you know? Um, and, an insecurity that comes with that and everything too. But I also know because I, I guess I have the unique position of having come from teaching technical topics and having a lot of experience in talking with people about things like the interview process or, um, your own insecurity around what you know and all of that stuff. And so I've, I've given the like motivational speech to a classroom of beginners about how you just need to find a way to be curious about it and all that. Um, but I get to, I get to tell myself that now and that helps a lot. Yeah. I feel the same way in that regard. It's like, I'm almost telling myself what I'd tell somebody else when they have yeah, the imposter syndrome. Right? Definitely. And it's, it's funny cause it's, it's almost like I've got to do that process for myself. And once I've done that, once I've gone, okay, Lyle, you're not feeling good about yourself right now as an engineer um, because there's a there's a passing feeling. And all you have to do is get through that feeling. Yeah. You don't really have to acknowledge a truth or a not truth of that. Just be aware that you do good work and you know more than you you think you know in some level. Or I should say the thought, the negative thoughts about your own skills are just like depression, right? There's not a real reason for it but it's a real emotion so experience yeah. it understand it and try to get past it kind of like writer's block i think it's a similar type of idea like i can't create yeah. a creative thought it's a thing that comes up and if you know that it's not an intellectual process mm-hmm. and you know that it's that there's an ephemerality to it if you i, I guess depression is a, a bad comparison in that regard how because so? depression can last for a very very <laughs> you don't know how long it will take yeah yeah I, but but yeah, I mean, there, there's this feeling of like, okay, I'm feeling bad about myself now, but I know that if I can get through this feeling, which is partially emotional, partially, partially physiological, maybe I've got anxiety or some cortisol or something like that. Um, I know that waiting for me on the other side is my intellectual understanding of where I actually am. Right. And even if that's not uh, sufficiently elevated, even if I don't think I'm as good as I actually am, it's better than thinking that I'm, you know, dirt or whatever so uh, yeah i i think that it's important for um colleagues to under kind of kind of understand this space and get the support to support each other through this yeah because one of the things i think is really challenging with this kind of um issue of doubting yourself is that that might cause you to question your own worth enough such that you will not ask somebody else a question and of course most of the time when you're really unaware of 
the problem space that you're in or really confused by something. Somebody else has run into this and might know the quick answer right off the top of their head. And you can spend a couple hours banging your head against some calling pattern that makes no sense. Or you can go ask a colleague, hey, you worked on this thingamajigjig. What did you do here? And they can be like, oh, yeah, I got caught because of this problem here, which saves you tons of time and, of course, also produces a bond. So the one thing that concerns me about my own self-doubt is that I block myself from asking the question that I perceive might be ignorance, but really just is about uh, knowledge sharing. Right. That insecurity prevents you from being vulnerable. And if you're not vulnerable, then you, you're, you're leaving a lot on the table. Yeah, and potentially working as a team, working not as efficiently by just being vulnerable and asking the question and then moving through it. Yeah, that brings up an interesting topic for me, which is, so uh, at, at Facebook, I, one of the things that I think is phenomenal about Facebook is the way that they've scaled the internal culture. And I know that that's absolutely not visible from the outside. Yeah. Um, certainly not from the way that that um, press covers the company at this point. But uh, one of the things that they try to, uh, I guess, bring up for people is the idea of being your true self. And I think that some people think, oh, you know, that's that's nonsense. Like they don't really want that. Some people really embrace it. Um, but like, what does that mean? What does being your true self mean? Like, can you talk about what's going on at home? Can you talk about the, um, you know, problems you might be going through with your spouse? Can you talk about struggling with depression and feeling insecure about not getting as much work done? Like, where do you draw the line? Worried of, about friends? Yeah. can go on and on, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you also have to get work done. You also have to create a prof- professional environment where everyone feels safe. Like, it, it, it's interesting because on the face of it, it seems like a really good thing that you should just fully embrace. But it's actually much more complicated than that, especially also when you bring into consideration the how I, I guess one of the most difficult things I think that anyone can do in any situation, certainly a work situation, is to choose to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. to choose to be open. Uh, and it's it's interesting trying to walk that balance and find where that is, like what's right for you. Yeah. What's what's your relationship to that been like here? Because I mean, I've had one day. Yeah. To to. Well, I'm curious. Learn like, about the culture. I guess what I want to do though is get your your perspective of how it was working at Facebook, because then you know as you're here, at least one of the reasons why we kind of like the idea of doing this today is that it's the fresh beginning and we found out what happens. And in six months, we can talk about what was your experience like. You know, yeah. It's really kind of interesting. So, can you explain what how much of that? being your authentic self thing was not just rhetoric at Facebook, but existed at Facebook? I think that really existed, but some people didn't embrace it as much. So I always felt safe being my true self or my, 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 um, genuine or authentic self. You didn't hide parts of yourself. Uh, I didn't intentionally hide parts of myself. Good answer. (laughs) But y'all hide parts of ourselves. Every day. We're constantly hiding parts of ourselves because from age zero, that's what we're socialized to do. Right. And I mean, vulnerability specifically is something you have to work on because you're removing those barriers intentionally. Yeah, it's hard to show your belly unless you feel safe. So you were saying that some people, let's talk about the real positive side, though. Some people were helping to you with maybe spousal issues, things of that nature. Is that kind of level there? I didn't find it for myself Mm -hmm. fully. And I'm not sure if that's because 
of the specific people that I was working with, uh, or, or if it was a cultural thing. I, I mean, I really do think that of all of the, of all of the problems that any large company has to face, I think scaling company culture is one of the very hardest things you can yeah. possibly do. It's harder than any technical problem you need to solve. And I think Facebook did it really, really well. Let me ask you something. I, I, I don't know much about what you were doing there. I mean, I know a little bit like the externals of what you produce and stuff. Yeah. But what I imagined your team like, because you described what you did, is I, if I were to give you a shape of the team you worked on, it was very um, tubular in the sense it was not it was a big spread out. group. It was more spread out in a linear fashion. Yeah, yeah. And you were the kind of person that jumped along that whole line. I bridge so the gap between multiple geeks sets and of... the creatives of Facebook. Yeah. Uh, just to like butcher Geek Speaks tagline. <laughs> do you have like, a tagline still? I, um, <laughs> bridging the gaps between geeks and the rest of humanity. You don't say that anymore? You know, now that I'm doing so many podcasts, I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what the heck Geek Speak is. We right are now it's like <laughs> a little more technical discussions with friends. <laughs> so you don't accidentally start it with We Are Geek Speak? No, I don't. <laughs> Because it sounds like a robot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just kind of imagined your role as kind of a linear, gen- like you're, you represent a lot of connection points across a lot of different teams. Yeah, yeah. And in that, you don't have a tight culture of people doing the same similar things to you. I think and that's therefore very... that could cause that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's a really good point. Um, I think that certain teams in certain areas of different, of the different organizations were much more tightly knit. Um, I also think that, I mean, I, I worked in one of the buildings in Menlo Park that's kind of away from everything. Like, oh, Facebook is kind of like its own town just because, by, by virtue of where the campus is. And the size of it. You can't walk to anywhere other than the Starbucks and the sushi place next to the Starbucks. Like, that's pretty much it. You can't walk to Menlo Park proper or Palo Alto or anything. Why? It just, that's where it's, it's isolated? It's just, it's just isolated oh, okay. geographically. I mean, it's it's a really amazing location in a lot of ways. It's right off of the Dumbarton Bridge. So you cross the bridge, and right there on the right-hand side is Facebook. And on the left-hand side is Facebook. You know, and you turn left on Willow, and on the left-hand side, there's more Facebook. So it's a really good geographic location for commuting, but it's not so much a good place for, you know, going out and getting a beer with your team after after work. Isn't there food places everywhere you can eat around the campus? Though? Within Facebook, yes. And don't they serve beer? Uh, yes, on some so days. So what's different about that versus going and walking down the street and being off campus? I don't know. I mean, maybe it's, a, maybe it's that it is a um, fabricated reality in a sense. Like most in most places in your life, you don't have everything under one roof. Yeah, you know, like that's not it's like a cruise ship or something. It's a yeah, it's like a cruise ship. Yeah, it's not like its own city. It's like I mean, in some ways it is because it's very large. It's a but big cruise ship. It's a it's a really big cruise ship. But but yeah, in a lot of ways it is. It's like once you're there, you're there, and you can get everything you need. But you're you're at Facebook, and there are a lot of benefits to that too. But there's the there's the downside going to the the, going to the new york offices or going to the london offices at facebook you have a lot more teams that hang out after work because you can just literally walk downstairs go to the pub have a drink hop on the train go home yeah there's something about i think i think i see what you're saying is like the entire time you're on that cruise ship you're at work so there's not like ability to get out and off the cruise ship and not be about work 
like you could at the New York office, right? Yeah, and also okay, like that. the pub down the street from work is different from the cafeteria. The cafeteria, the cafe that's right near your desk. So, like. so that partially produces a kind of work versus social life separation. Do you think? Um, yeah, I, I think so, and okay. I think as a result, you don't get as many close friendships forming when you're working in an environment like that. And I, I really can't speak for like everyone's experience, but that, that was my own experience. Well, it's interesting. Friendship and, and like support of colleagues can potentially be different. Yeah. There's not a lot of people that I'm currently work with on, at Netflix that are actually friends of mine that I do outside things with. But I there was going to ask that, that question. Yeah, yeah. But there are people on my team that, you know, I can go and tell them, you know, my friend just passed away and talk to them about it. And mm -hmm. it's not like, and, and part of the, the separation there is that I live in Santa Cruz Mountains and a lot of people are here like up in San Francisco. So it's also about geography in the sense that we come together at the workplace, we talk about things and support each other, and then we go off on a merry ways. And, and maybe some people don't have kids and I have kids, things of that nature. So yeah, you have I a similar situation from the, as the one I had at Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do a lot of social with the teams here outside of, of work. And there are not many places you can walk to from the Los Gatos no. Netflix office. The former Los Gatos. Other than office. my house. <laughs> Other than your house. Which, by I the way, do you work to work? I have the best commute. Um, I drove to work this morning. Okay. It was amazing. I, I got to the freeway, and instead of getting on the freeway, I turned into the Netflix parking lot. <laughs> it was incredible. And it's real. I mean, you're like a mile away from that? It is great talking to you right now, knowing that after we finish talking, I can drive seven minutes or so. Yeah. And I'm home. And actually, there's a there's a walkway through Las Gatos and Campbell along the creek mm -hmm. and your house that's, and this building butt up against it yeah that's a that's a large part of my commute as you walking. can't do bikes on that or can you do bikes you can that? do bikes oh my gosh that's just but you can't you can't go on it after sunset officially uh, okay you have to break the law or get out of here early i don't i leave before sunset yeah normally that's good all that's, right that's healthy so we're gonna see over a little period of time what the kind of culture stuff looks like here and you asked you started by asking me and I, but i want to get your kind of thoughts on facebook yeah. first um i'm very enveloped in this theme right now um this theme this theme of vulnerability and yeah and me uh, too yeah so well, oddly i think i think you and i have been doing very similar things at our respective workplaces which means now we're we're competing for the <laughs> <laughs> we're competing about vulnerability because vulnerability <laughs> is competition. advocating for vulnerability is a, a zero-sum game <laughs> yeah uh today's so this morning, I I don't frequently mess up with work. I'm pretty normally like on it. On you top mean of it. technically or yeah, just like by like doing the job. I don't normally have to go. Oh, my bad. I don't. That doesn't oh. normally happen. And, and mostly, and I'm not trying to brag or anything. Just that most of the time I commit at a level that makes sense and I follow through and 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 solve yeah. it right. Yeah. And I understand that <clears throat> more than doing the problem, you know, solving the problem is to communicate the timelines and all that. That's more yeah. important than actually yeah. doing it. So I'm pretty good about that kind of stuff. But I had two, like, failures today for work. And that's hard for me. Yeah. And they, they just compounded over the weekend. There was some commitments I had made, and, and I just made a mistake. One was that I forgot to set a, prop, uh, a, uh, a setting, basically, on the service to turn something on before the weekend. And so I did this morning. Not a big deal. Didn't affect anything. But yeah. I woke up this morning. I was like, I think I was in the shower. I'm like, oh, I didn't do that thing. And so I get in the... Uh, in in a month, I could give you the, the technical details of it, and you totally understand what I'm talking about right now. We'll just leave it as, I forgot to set something in production. Okay. And 
And so I realized it. And after I get dressed, I get on my phone and I send a note to the group. There's about 40 people involved in this project. And I said, I didn't do this. I'll do it when I get in. Just to let them know. So that's a small miss. It didn't affect anything. But the other one was kind of a, a mess with regards to podcasting. Because now... Podcasting. Oh, yeah. Because So you have the We Are Netflix podcast. Yes. So I started the We Are Netflix podcast internally. And then it became a public thing. And now it's kind of large scale. Like I'm flying to Amsterdam uh, next month to re- interview, do two interviews. You want to take me? I know how to do podcasts. Uh, I know you know how to do podcasts. <laughs> um, if I hadn't already booked the tickets and got one for Maggie and, and made it turn it into a week-long vacation as well, I would say yes. You I would love to do a week-long vacation Something, with you, you and your family. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> you could go to Brazil with me later in the year. Um, oh, so yeah. I'm doing this. But, but of course, my job as a software engineer, I think I've talked a little bit about this on, on Geekspeak, my jobs or my other podcast, my job's a software engineer. And so I've got to get that done, right? That's Interesting. primary. Yeah. So we um, had... So you're not like a 70% software engineer because you do a bunch of podcasting. Right. I'm 100% software engineer. And by the way, I have a podcast on the side. Hence, not so many episodes of Geekspeak because... Oh, that's why. Mm-hmm. That's why. So in the beginning of the year, we reassessed. Last year, I did way too many episodes. This year, I was like, I can't do that many. And so we decided that I'd do 12, one a, one a month. Mm-hmm. And um, the cadence is already faster than that. But the idea was, well, we'll have, we'll have guest podcast people too. And then you won't have to do it. I'm like, that's great. Okay, good. Other people will do guests. So our VP of Inclusion and Diversity Strategy is um, Verne Myers. And she's amazing. And I wish you were here last month. You could have seen her speak here. And But you'll, you'll get to know her because she talks about how to make this a better place to work. Effectively, that's what the job is, right? To make it a better place for everybody. So she spoke a little while ago and I told... Maggie about her, and she said, oh, man, that's so much like this author I'm totally in love with, Brene Brown. Brene Brown, yeah. Yeah, so Brene Brown's like this amazing uh, doctor of research about vulnerability, and one of the things she talks about a lot is, is shame and vulnerability. Yeah, shame, vulnerability. She has a lot, a lot of, um, a lot, several books about, and many uh, interviews. I think she has at least one TED talk. At least one TED talk. I think she has two or something. So a few months ago, um, if you if you're not more. familiar with her name and you're listening to Brene this, Brown, you should just stop listening to Geek Speak and <laughs> go watch her TED well, talk. Well, funny enough is you can go listen to the most recent episode of We Are Netflix because Brene Brown is on it. No, so I didn't what? interview her though. Yeah, so the guest speaker, the guest interviewee, if you will, was Brene Brown. So Brene Myers, our VP of Inclusion. Uh, and diversity strategy at Netflix and Brene Brown spoke to each other last week on like Wednesday down in LA. I didn't fly down to do that because I was too busy for work. Um, but Brene's uh, documentary just launched on Netflix on Friday. Oh, neat. And so they spoke in front of Netflix employees. And then the idea was that we would get an intro for it and an outro for it and edited and released before this morning. And I oh. neglected to encode the video yesterday. And the encoding the video actually takes a long time because I don't know what I'm doing. So, <laughs> Oh, the uh, with the uh, images and all that yeah, stuff? Yeah, I don't do a lot. I just do a little bumper video and the MP3 file of the podcast and then a video of an image the entire way and then a close. And I used to do that using FFmpeg. But in season two, we actually got a video bumper where it's like it's kind of an animated logo. And so I didn't really know how to do that in FFmpeg because you weren't here yet. I can help you. I know. Yeah. I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I was in the middle of stress trying to get this thing done. I'm going to meetings. Anyway, I, I kind of dropped the ball on it. It took like 45 minutes to render this video. I finally, I went, didn't premiere. I couldn't get it working. I talked to a designer. They're like, oh, use After Effects. I did it still 45 minutes. But it's yeah. really like two minutes of animation, 
all then, still, and yeah. then two minutes again at the end. It shouldn't right. take that long. No, it shouldn't. So obviously, I'm doing something wrong. It's 13 gigabytes in in ProRes. Uh huh. It's so fun because it's ProRes. This is so fun to ha- to do Geek Speak because the We Are Netflix podcast I don't say do technical. The the important thing podcast I don't do technical. And here I can be like FFmpeg ProRes, and it's totally fine. <laughs> So yeah, it was like 13 gigabytes on ProRes of this 45-minute video of Ber- of just text, just still image of Brene and Brene talking. It's going to go on YouTube yeah. tomorrow morning. I then do a little compression thing on it. It turns to like 150 or 550K. <laughs> it's like yeah. really small. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway. Because every frame is the same. It's all the same. And I've, so the codec is like, oh, yeah, same thing, same thing, so same I thing. So I guess ProRes doesn't... No, ProRes is not. It's just like... ProRes is... Yeah, ProRes does very minor compression, and I think every frame is is an iframe, which means every frame is independent yes. of every other frame. So it's like a TIFF of So you're doing the thing. exact same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again instead of doing it once and then it's saying, oh yeah, nothing's changed, nothing's changed, nothing's changed. <laughs> anyway, it's so funny because around here... You could probably get it smaller than you got. Oh, it got it's so small. I no, mean, but you could probably get it even smaller. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, the, the thing it is so matter, funny about but... this is that all that I'm doing with the video file is sending it off to somebody else who then ups, uploads it to the YouTube channel. Right? It's a YouTube, and then will do it, it gets reencoded too. So it doesn't really matter what it is. <laughs> YouTube will make it pretty. It probably yeah, or make it smaller. They're gonna matter. they're gonna do. Good. And the other thing is, if if we stuck it into our, our algos here. Yeah. yeah, it'll get compressed really well and all that. But that whole pipeline is not something I can just do because we don't have user-generated content. Also, my hunch is that pipeline is not well-suited for your particular use case <laughs> where you literally have no motion Are for you, 45 minutes. It used to just be a still. An FFmpeg command still upset me. It was still like seven minutes for the FFmpeg command. I'm like, come Turn on. Right. Yeah, because the, it's yeah. not. Yeah. But now that it's got some video in it. So I didn't do that video, which is not exactly my job, but I felt like I dropped let people down. So we have one more day before the podcast goes out. But so cool. This conversation between the two of them is so much about vulnerability. That's why I bring it up. Really? It's talking about shame and vulnerability and the reasons for what we go through and how we how we put barriers up. And it's just really interesting. So you felt shame about not getting a conversation about shame out to more people more quickly. <laughs> so our friend Robert Polly, you know, who used yeah. to do uh, 7th Avenue Project, I've hired him as the, uh, the editor. He actually edits the, the podcast. And so he and I have been collaborating for a while, for about a year, on this, or less than a year on this podcast. And uh, he, he was talking with me. <laughs> so funny. There's this whole talk about perfectionism. Uh-huh. And Brene's talking about perfectionism, how, how bad it is, uh, how it can block you and, and have problems. And he got caught in trying to make something really, <laughs> try to edit something perfectly. And so he in a podcast me, about perfection. <laughs> me, he's like, Lyle, I had this very surreal experience of editing about perfection, about, oh. Yeah. And I totally know that feeling. So, I, yeah, love... I have some shame about not, I'm not uploading the podcast about how shame is bad. I love meta topics like oh, that. Lovely. Just wonderful. It's just the best. It's a great way to teach recursion. When it comes up, you'd be like, oh, yeah, what you just experienced. That's recursion. recursion yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because it's easy for a recursive loop to, to block you. So you can imagine that yeah. it, it starts to block you. Stack size, uh, max stack size exceeded. Yeah. Yeah. I just recently had an experience that was recursive and crazy and totally fits in with what you're about to go do for Netflix. Wait, what am I about to go do for Netflix? <laughs> it's your job. Why am I here? <laughs> If you haven't seen Bandersnatch on the service, it's globally available. Can I tell you something very embarrassing? I am not a huge fan of psychological thrillers, so I have not seen Bandersnatch. I do not recommend you see that, Ben. I shouldn't see it. It's pretty hard to watch. 
Okay. If you want to see a branching narrative title, I would recommend... One of the children's titles. One of the children's <laughs> titles. I'm trying to think of which one I think you should like in the best. I think you probably got to watch a couple of them because since... Yeah. Oh, I, I should definitely do that. But, but the, the Post and Book one is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, it's got some great songs in it. And uh, then the Minecraft one's really interesting because everyone, you know, Minecraft's a video game and this one's a narrative a branching narrative story about about video game branching narrative the general idea is that there are multiple ways to go through this video file and you you decide as a user how to how to go through it yeah should i the main character eat the cinnamon toast crunch or the froster flakes yes which is the first question of the bandersnatch show you, or, you totally safe to watch by the way you can watch that part. i can i can watch up to <laughs> totally. any of the consequential can, decisions turn I, it off i could probably like trim the tree for you and you could that'd be great that would be really good that would be Wonderful. You know what? I'll bring it up in a meeting. I'll suggest that we do that as a team just to, to trim Please. it for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, a, a lot of my friends refer to uh, to media content as like, is this Ben safe? Yes. Or is this Ben friendly? We've talked about it on, on GeekSpeak before because I mentioned something being really awesome. And well, for me, it's most mostly like physical or emotional trauma. Like, for other people? I just don't I don't want to I don't want to see that because it will it will haunt me as I try to fall asleep that night. Yeah. And perhaps for the next two months. Yeah, you that's know, not a good thing to do not a good yourself. Thing. But I interrupted you. You said you were... But I can completely support that idea. Yeah. It's actually one of the things I do... When I talk about Netflix in general to UCSC students and such, yeah. I do a talk about here for Warren's class. Um, and one of the things I mention is that what you think you want to watch and what you want to rate are different. And I use this mm. idea that I used to be okay with physical violence. And I was like totally in my 20s, like whatever. And Reservoir Dogs was the great example of that. It's like, yeah, it's squeamish, it's kind of gross, there's yeah. some nasty things. For in whatever it. reason, I really liked Fight Club. Right, but yeah. but I totally loved the movie, and I'd tell everybody go watch, you know, go see, uh, go watch it. I'd give it five stars, whatever. But if you sat me down, I wouldn't go watch something like that right now. And it, it mm-hmm. just changed when I had kids, and I wanted to protect people more. And there's something about empathy that opened up for me. Yeah, and, and in an fact, it's one of the reasons we got rid of the five stars and went to thumbs up because the five star ratings is really about what's what's become in our culture is what do you think what do you rate this for other people not how do you Mm. feel about it Mm -hmm. so i imagine also it's hard to get ratings like i imagine there are a lot of four stars ratings interesting yeah like so uh what what am i i'm thinking about like a lot of times in interview feedback processes they will um intentionally not have a middle of the road option Mm -hmm. so there will be strong no higher uh no higher higher and strong higher and there's no in between like you have to choose there's no meh yes or no you can't say meh because if you say meh that if if that option is available then everyone will will choose meh and also um in terms of uh i can't remember the name of the metric but there's some sort of a metric that companies will use to talk about sentiment like how much do people like this company versus not like this company and like out of 10 they'll take anything between i think six and six to eight or five to eight or something like that and they will just literally throw that data away it's not useful if you rate it a nine or a 10 you're an intense supporter if you rate it let's say a five or below then you're a detractor and then you look at that data, and that's actually... You that's can, what you want to change. Yeah, that's yeah. what you want to change. But if so, you can rate people things seven all the time, and what does it mean? Yeah. What can you determine from it? Anyway, you were saying you just watched 
Bandersnatch. So I watched Bandersnatch actually here at the office. We rarely okay. watch whole television shows here at the office, especially branching territory. Wait, I thought I thought you just watched Netflix. Yeah, all day. That's, that's what why we did. I, that's, that's why, why you're why here. I applied. Yeah, we didn't tell you all the work you have to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the team that I used to be on, the interactive team, I was on it for like three and a half years, working for uh, working in that space, and we were exploring a lot of interactive types content, content that's not just a passive watching experience. And the the more popular of those are branching narrative. Though I didn't do a lot of work in that space, I did other things. Mm-hmm. And so I recently did a talk at UCSE for our mutual friend Warren Sack. Well, my friend Warren Sack, your acquaintance there. Is one. I don't know if you guys are friends. I have no idea. I'm stealing your friends as well yeah. as the job. <laughs> yeah. um, just you got to come to the holidays at least. And, and yeah. Enjoy. yeah. So Warren has a class about digital media. And he, he kind of talks a lot about how our culture is being shaped by digital media. And so I come mm-hmm. and talk about mm-hmm. Netflix. And this time around, he said, we would talk about Bandersnatch, the interactive Black Mirror episode. Um, and I said, sure, I'll do that. So I went and talked to the team members who had, I'd already left. And I wasn't really a part of that project at all. But I watched them do that project. And we have every other week, by the way, we all have a meeting together. So we get to be in a meeting every other week. And so I chat with that team about what they were doing. And because I helped define the early stuff, I understood the complexities early on. And so when I heard things they were solving, like, oh, we have state now, I'd be like, oh, wow, how, where are you storing that? And so we talked technical about it, but it's more like at the coffee uh, areas. And I'd heard the name, but I didn't know it was the name of the episode. And I thought it was, a, it was a, we kept it a secret. So right before it released, they uh, they actually presented it to our, us members that hadn't worked on it. And we sat down in a room, and this was kind of what my talk was about. We sat down in a room, and my friends who, or colleagues, colleague friends, who worked on the piece presented it to us, and we all watched it together. And if you're going to watch, if you're going to watch it, watch it with a group of people. Because you have to make choices in the room, and some of the choices are, like, bad and worse, and you have to choose. Oh, and so if you have the remote control and you you make a choice, then you pass to somebody else in the room, and everybody kind of yells out. But you're the decider of what to do, and sometimes they're just like, "Yeah, horrible decision," and even more horrible, <laughs> and you have to decide. Mm. Anyway, so we watched wow. we watched this episode, and it's self referential. Um, it is about branching narratives, and it is about making media in branching narratives and the problem space of that. Mm-hmm. And my colleagues went through that process of building this and I kind of watched them do it and how complex it was and how long hours I, I remember coming in one weekend and Kevin uh, was here late on the weekend working. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to figure out this thing for Bandersnatch. So he's like late at night in the dark and I'm like, okay, see ya. So in the story, that's what's happening. There's people working on Bandersnatch in the story. So then I'm asked to do a talk on Bandersnatch and I thought, you know, it'd be fun to do the talk. It'd be really fun if I made the talk be a branching narrative where the, Wait. where the audience gets to decide what my next point is in my slide deck. Wait, so you took, <laughs> let me just try and get this. Sure. Let me just repeat this back to you. There is a, there's a, there's an episode of a television show on Netflix about the process of creating a branching narrative, which itself is a branching narrative. Yes. You, and the people go crazy in the story. You watched this process, watching your coworkers pseudo go crazy while working on a branching narrative of a story of building branching narratives. And you decided <laughs> to build a branching narrative presentation about that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> and so I'm up late at night and I'm trying to keep in mind, like my iner- initial thought was, 
I'll grab the tools that we did at Netflix and I'll use those to do my talk. Okay. So one of the things I did was I grabbed this tool called the branch manager, was, right. which was written to make branching narrative talk ta- uh, storylines. It's how um, it's how the black uh, the the Black Mirror episode was actually created, and a couple other ones, and other people were using it. And while I'm looking at this tool, I'm finding out that my friend Ben is going to be is applying for this job to work on the tool that I'm using, and I'd never seen it before. It's like the same day I find out that you're interviewing, I'm working on the tool that you'll probably make better. And so I'm like making notes about the tool, about my talk, about the, <laughs> it was, it was so surreal. The entire experience was mind blowing. So I, I go to the campus. So late so, at night, I couldn't use that tool for my talk. My talk needed to be functional in slides and that tool is yeah. more of a development tool. So I started using Keynote and I had to do a branching narrative in Keynote. Do you know how I had to do that? There's no code. In Keynote. Yeah, I just had to duplicate chunks of talk. So I'd set up my whole talk, and then I'd duplicate it five times. Then I'd pull up the branch manager to plan it. And then I'd be like, do I have terminal points? I was totally going crazy creating this talk. I'm not even sure I'm that into the medium. Of because you don't narrative. like choosing between horrible and more horrible choices? <laughs> no, Is that... no. There's, there's like the, the first one we did, which was uh, Puss in Book, you know, from the, the Shrek universe. That, yeah. Yeah. That one's just fun. I mean, there's nothing, you know wrong with it it's just fun but it's just the aspect of i also don't really play video games very often okay like i'd love a good book that i the people go this book is awesome i love that experience of going okay i'm gonna engage in this content and really envelop and go through the linear form that the the narrator the writer the author the director yeah all those people decided for me and so like following a story that has been very carefully curated for you as a passive viewer or reader or listener yeah however the bandersnatch episode of black mirror for me and this is what my talk culminated in was a perfect television show because it was about my work and the people i know right in this weird way it was referential of where i work i enjoyed it because i'm i was on the interactive team right it it doesn't wait what horrible things did you do on the interactive (laughs) team The horrible aspect is just about the progression of the story arc. There's nothing that's just about that. So you're but, saying that there are horrible things in our future, and I just no, joined the team. No, not at all. <laughs> I, I think that the idea of bringing the shock to television and such, yeah, is storytelling is about exploring the other parts of our personality. You know, like right. when you go in the woods and you hear a crack, and a bear doesn't jump out and eat you. That's a really good thing. But that experience, that feeling is something that's part of humanity. It's part of who you are. Mm. And so if you don't experience a lot, and media can provide that to you. So there is some things that you can get from media that will enrich your human experience, even though they're fictitious. And also there there are ways that media can help us explore the darker parts of ourselves. Yeah. Like if you're watching Bandersnatch alone, and you choose between the horrible thing and the more horrible thing, and you choose the more horrible thing, like you have the liberty to choose that, yeah, because no one will know, and, and so you and can you explore also, that that part of your, whatever that part of yourself. And you is. also know it's a story. You it's know not, it's a story. No one's getting hurt, right? Right. You kind of also know that there's some there's some liberty that comes from that as well. Yeah, I mean, I remember telling my kids little bedtime stories. I'd make up stories for the kids, and when they were young and actually wanted to talk to me, and oh. 
And too real, too. Part real. of it was bringing up some tension. Like tension was important. Yeah. And you know, tension for a little kid is, oh, the puppy got lost, in, you know, down the road. Oh no, what's going to happen? You know. Well, I'm not going to tell the story where the puppy gets hit by a car because oh. they're four years old. Yeah. I tell the story about how they meet the neighbor, and the neighbor's really nice, and the neighbor has these fun things that they learn about. You know. So there's story arcs that work for certain types of time in your life and things. Yeah. And I think that those. I think we should explore what, where we enjoy it and where we don't enjoy it and figure out. It helps figure out who we are in some ways. Suspense is a part of life. And so it necessarily should be a part of stories. Anyway, so that's the. So you're going to be fixing that tool or making that tool even more often. Fixing that tool. <laughs> well, it was a little broken. Freudian stuff there. It was kind of amazing. Tool. I didn't know how it was functional. In fact, I showed it off in the, in the room for the students as well. Yeah. 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 No, de- I mean, definitely. It's If you do something experimental, you're not going to build really mature tooling right. to do that experimental thing because you don't know if it's going to be a success or a failure. You know, if, if Bandersatch flopped, then it would have been really irresponsible to have spent a ton of developer resources and money and, and time and everything. Uh, that that little nugget that you just said is like so much about the hard choices being a software engineer here. Mm. Is we, we test almost everything. And so the question is how much work do you do on the testing Knowing that once you get it functional, to spend more time to productize it might be a waste as well. Yeah. So you have to, it's a very hard problem. You know, actually, that's one of the things that I took away from Facebook, um, working at Facebook. Within the first couple of months, I started applying this this uh, this thing that was written on a poster all over campus to my life, which is focus on impact. It's a really simple, short, pithy little quote. But like the idea is... If you think about the choices that you have and you focus on the things that are the highest impact, and by that, you're, you're, you are kind of coercing everything into a single dimension. You're comparing like, okay, this is going to be maybe better for me in my life emotionally, or this is going to be better intellectually, or this is going to give me new experiences that I haven't had before. Like, it, it forces you to take all of those things and put them on the same axis and then say, okay... I think that this thing is higher impact than this thing. If you don't go through that process, then you're going to be working on the things that are not necessarily very impactful in your life. So I guess an example of that um, at work is if you're faced with, let's say there's some code that's kind of messy, right? Um, And you really want to make it better. You really want to make it beautiful and clean and, and fun to read and fun to work on. But the problem is it's for a feature that's going to be deprecated and no one in the future other than you is going to work on this code. Like, why would you make that code beautiful? Absolutely. Yeah. If, you know, if it's going to not be extended upon by other people. Um, or maybe it's going to be ripped out in a year's time or something. That what doesn't make any sense. So, like, focusing on impact is kind of like type uh, coercing all of these things into the single dimension and also thinking about the probability of success and failure with different things. And, and you're doing the comparative because, of course, you only have a limited time during the day to actually work. So yeah, you exactly. want to make that as most effective as possible. How do you do it in your personal life? Oh, um, what's your metric for, for impact? Emotional happiness? or? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't really know if I can give you a single answer there. But, but yeah, I, so this feels super dry to say. <laughs> but like... I won't judge you. You're if you friends. just if you just think of it. Well, I don't know who listens to this podcast, <laughs> um, but like the idea of utils, you know, like this unit of utility, and who knows what that utility is? That utility could be emotional happiness, or it could be uh, intellectual fulfillment. 
It could be exactly. like f- uh, fulfilling friendships, developing fulfilling friendships like the one that you and I have. Um, what's the alternative? If you have to coerce everything into a single unit of measurement, I mean, every day we use dollars, but like... You can't measure friendship in dollars. That doesn't work yeah, very well. Yeah. I mean, you can. I don't think it's called friendship, sir. <laughs> <laughs> people, Different people convert. Like, okay, um, in the medical profession, you have to put a value in human life. Ugh. Like, how crazy is that? And like, doing so is not unethical in a lot of situations. But it's so icky. So I don't really have an answer for you. Other than utils, like I, I could convert it to dollars, but instead I'm going to choose to convert so it to some measurement that doesn't so, have any real. But, but let me ask you this: like, you need to, I don't know, fix your dryer, uh-huh. and you are kind of thinking about you haven't seen me in a while, and um, you also know your dad's going to be flying through the San Francisco airport and is going to have a four-hour layover. How stinky are my clothes? <laughs> Are they too stinky and for so me to go And so that day, you look in the morning and go, what What should I be doing here? Um, how do you turn those things into, like, how do you go, well, spending, you know, an hour with my dad at SFO is a great connection with my father versus seeing Lyle versus fixing my dryer, which will help me all week. How do you, com- you can't compare those things. I don't understand well, how you do it. number one, those things have to be mutually exclusive. Choose, choose Lyle. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Because... I don't know if my dad or Lyle want to hang out with me if my clothes are really stinky. <laughs> like, that kind of means I have to choose to fix my dryer or going to a dry cleaner. I mean, but, obviously, you invite me over to fix your dryer while you have a conversation with your dad on the phone. And then you assault. Is that the kind of friendship that we have? <laughs> I, would you do that for me? Yeah, of course. You would you? fix my dryer while I leave you. It depends on what's happening that day in my life. If my kid is performing in a play, probably not. It's tricky. You wouldn't choose... To fix my dryer over your kid in a play? Uh, depends on what the play is. I think not people... Not a musical. I like my kids in musicals. I think people over... People... I want to say people over experiences and experiences over tasks. But, but, but fixing your dryer... If I went to your house and you were there and fixing your dryer, that would be like a double whammy of like coolness, right? Yeah, but those would be mutual fixed. exclusive. Right, yeah. Right. I think that's yeah. the benefit of it, yeah. Yeah, so like that's just a uh, pathfinding operation. You know, one of the things about moving and buying the house that I currently live in is I don't fix dryers as much as I used to. Because I used to work on a, live on a property where my second job was fixing dryers. Just <laughs> like dryers? Four buildings. No, everything. It's just that dryers <laughs> break like, a lot. <laughs> what's, what happened with the dryers? Actually, washing machines break more than dryers. But when you're on a propane Washing machines system, are worse because they have water and plumbing. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're harder. But the the property that I came onto that I started working at, it's the property I grew up on. And oh yeah, when I moved on there, Maggie and I moved on there like ten years ago. All the appliances everywhere were in horrible, horrible shape. Okay. And so I basically for every unit put in new washer and dryer while I was there. But it was always in an emergency, right? The unit would dra- fail. It's failed. Mm-hmm. I'm like okay, and then I'd go and try to solve it. And when you buy gas dryers in California. They're almost always set up for natural gas, and natural gas pressure versus propane pressure are different, and the burn oh, ratios are different. Interesting. So you actually, normally they come with orifices that are different, and you have to take the whole thing apart. You buy a brand new unit, you take the whole thing apart, put in a whole bunch of little parts, turn it back on, check the pressure line, tune the thing so it doesn't burn wrong, and then put it all back together and install it. So it's like twice as much work, right? Because you're 
you're tuning it as well. You know, you're you're constri- what's you're fixing the the brand new one. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. I I wouldn't have thought of that. However, that experience made me making my own blacksmith forge really easy. It didn't feel like a scary thing at all. Interesting, because I saw your blacksmith forge when you made it, and I thought, whoa, like he's gonna kill himself. <laughs> that was my first thought. Like, does he know what he's doing? I mean, he has fallen out of a tree before. Like, <laughs> I've been stabbed. I've been shot. I've broken my hip and my back. And all You've of those were self inflicted, except for the stab wasn't really. Yeah. I've been stabbed by, in the chest. By whom? By a high school classmate of mine. Oh, you yeah, told me. It was a long time that. ago. Yeah. yeah, the scar's almost gone now. It was a long time ago. Wow. Not by a Nausicaan? That, that's what stabbed Picard. A Nausicaan stabbed Picard? Yeah. He had to get a new heart. Oh, right. In the far, bar fight. In the they, bar fight. They go yeah. back in time to try to fix, and that would change him and make him more like a Barkley character yeah. and not a Picard character. And so. at the end, he chooses to get stabbed again, and then he gets stabbed and laughs like a maniac, and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> it's the end of the series, isn't it? Patrick Stewart's amazing. Isn't that the end of the series? No. Yeah. Isn't the last episode all about that? No. He's in the white room? I thought that nope, was in the series. Nope, 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 nope. What's the last... But at the end the of the last series... The last is do- all good things must come to an end. But you do oh, have Q at the end of it, If you? he got stabbed and the episode was all, all good things must come to an end, that would be such a... Wait, 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 wait. I thought the... Cl- I thought Q that shows was up in the last one, in the, yes. Okay, as well. And they don't tie... Because Q also is there for the stabbing of the heart. Q, Flashback thing. Yeah, Q shows up in the episode where, where Picard gets stabbed and he says, in his John Delancey way... Like, uh, um, do you regret, like, what things do you regret? Like, would you change things? And well, okay, let's, let's, let's see. And he changes the things. He's more mature and ends up not getting stabbed. And then he ends up as like an ensign in the lower decks in the bowels of the enterprise. He turns into a Barkley character. And I love, I love, uh, Riker saying, yeah, but isn't that always been your problem? You've never been willing to take risks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, okay, and wow. I don't mean a Barkley character with Barkley actually ascending into magic magic qualities. I'm talking about just standard Barkley. So, pop off the stack, dryers, pop off the stack. Um, where were? <laughs> Wait, we have not resolved this this Q the dryer card thing. thing. Oh, okay, the fine. Next generation push, push. episode one and two, mission at far point has Q. We meet Q. We meet the correct. Whole, we meet everybody. The ship, the ship splits that time. You see that they can do that. The the effects of the ship it actually banks and making a turn it's very special yep. it's very special the jellyfish kiss it's oh, yeah. jellyfish kiss so so good um do this get do all these people get to keep their clothes because the jellyfish now i mean are they still gonna be servants i don't even know good so question then we, ju- we jump forward multiple <laughs> someone's, seasons. someone's gonna watch encounter at far point be like what were they talking about you'll see and then they'll re-listen and they'll, they'll understand yeah okay so then we jump forward and q shows up lots of times judging humanity and all that but and then losing his powers and all those things. But yeah, when, that's he ta- thing. when Picard gets stabbed in the heart, there's a whole but it's a great it's I think it's a two parter, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a really no, good, no, it a no. really long one parter. It's a forty two minute one parter, just okay. like all the rest of them. Well no mission PowerPoint's a two parter. That's and, a that's a the torture. Forty two minute times two two parter. Yeah. Um and then Q comes in the very end as well. The very At end, the of, the very end of the entire series. Right. Yeah. So what's the general? St- I I get that one conflated with the stabbing in the heart one. No, yeah. They're yeah what different. happens in the very last one? Do you want me to? I mean, should I really spoil well, I all of the next generation? Do we have it on Netflix now. Yeah, that, now that you work at Netflix, so. Ben, people will ask you, why isn't this show on Netflix? And I'm gonna say I don't watch TV. Like, 
I don't really watch a lot of TV. All right, I'll go watch the last couple. How of would I know that? Then. I'll refer them to you. Um, okay. If you're gonna watch the last couple episodes, you should invite me. Yeah, that'd be yeah. fun. We can call your dad. Call me dad. Yeah, and fix your dryer. Oh yeah, I but guess your so. dryer's not broken. My dryer's not. Well, my dryer's. I'm my dryer's assuming, functional, but a little sad. I'm assuming that you mostly hang dry your clothing. You're wrong. Wow. But you like a shower where you conserve water. What about energy for drying clothes? Um, I mean, you got to pick your battles. In some places you love water, in some places you hate it and burn it with a passion. Do you How do you dryer? burn water with a passion? Well, you use a dryer. I'm sorry. I'm getting into like punny pedantic mode. Let me ask you something. Uh-huh. Do you have an electric dryer, a gas dryer, or do you not know? A gas dryer. And what's wrong with it? Uh, just the front cover has fallen off. So it just spins <laughs> and, so, and is on? Yeah, so you, you turn on the dryer. No, no, not not that front cover. The front cover on the bottom mm. has come off. And so you start it, and the whole thing starts rotating, and it, it's totally normal. And if you happen to be looking in the bottom, then it suddenly... <laughs> like that, and you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> that's a lot of fire. Do you have a cat like, or anything? How is that safe? <laughs> do you have a cat or anything? I do. I keep them away from the dryer. That's really scary. Yeah, well, we keep the drawer close to that. To the room? Yeah. You're, can we just attach also, plate we, with some tape? we put the dryer... Uh, so someone tried that. So it sounds like you do need your dryer fixed. Sure. You didn't even know this. The the dryer... We managed to get the dryer up on top of the washer. Oh. Which was really hard Oh, that's always do. hard. Yeah. But a stacked dryer, it's not bad. Yeah. The, the and door, also my cat doesn't jump that high. Do your doors open the both direction, the same direction? No. Oh, one thing? one opens like uh, out and down. That's the one that's on top. No, no. And then the, the bottom worst. opens sideways. <laughs> also, it's in a room that's fairly narrow, and so the dryer, the dryer opens down, and so now there's this door that's right in between the the exit that you pull the clothes out of the washer. Yeah, it's totally and the entrance the of the dryer. Yeah, you didn't turn the whole thing upside down. You could just turn it upside down. It'd be fine. I don't. Would that work? Probably, actually. Uh, I but mean, let's I not do that. Let's talk about this fire thing. So you're saying that at like... I got to go home soon. At like torso level, there's an opening that you can see fire. Yes. And a belt spinning where if you put your hand in it, it will very seriously damage your hand. Ooh, Even I, hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought of that part. Okay, because there's like this little chuck that holds tension on the belt. And there's an opening from the, where the belt is and the motor and the drum. Oh, yeah. This is bad. I think we should come and fix your... The other thing that's kind of scary with that is that dryers collect um, lint really easily. Yes, so the other fire thing... Fire and lint. What now, else the other thing about this is that the lint screen, you pull it out of the top of the dryer... Which is very tall now. Which is very high. <laughs> so You're a I'm, tall person, though. I am the only person who can reach it inconveniently. This is better for your relationships, though, with other people. That's true. Because if they didn't dry, empty the dryer lint, it's not their fault. It's a pretty easy chore. Yeah, if you're tall enough. If you're tall enough. So I I definitely get that chore. Although I tend to forget. So that's also a little terrifying. Fun fact. Mm -hmm. um, When we were in Japan last month, we realized that people don't have dryers in Japan. Yeah. So it's it's an American luxury. Yeah. So. It's true. How was your trip? I enjoyed it quite a bit. Would you go back? I wish I'd stayed longer. Now that I've been to Japan, I, I loved Kyoto. And I loved visiting my friends in, in Tokyo. 
Mm-hmm. And I think if they stay there more, I'll probably visit them again. But if you said, hey, you have two weeks, you can go anywhere in the world, where do you want to go? Japan would probably be lower on my list than it used to be. Yeah. And it was already not at the top of my list. So I can't imagine it happening soon, unless my friends stay there. Too yeah. It's expensive, it's a, too. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's expensive, but what a beautiful country. It's lovely. Have you been? Yeah, I went with Masumi to, to Fukuoka, which is where um, her side of the family, her Japanese side of the family is from. And so we had a lot of interesting experiences. We went to a uh, karaoke bar, karaoke bar. Um, <laughs> to get there, we actually drove two hours and... It was at someone's house in the middle of... It wasn't a bar. The, no, I mean, it was, but it wasn't. This, this person awesome. just runs a karaoke I wish I'd bar. I done that kind of thing more yeah. in the country. Yeah, because I did... Because you were in the city. Schedule. Yeah, it's pretty city. Yeah. I have now raised up my non-Latin character set country desires. I really enjoyed yeah, not right. being able to read. That's I thought true. that was wonderful. Like, I've been to France a lot, and I don't speak French. I've been to Germany a lot, and I don't speak German. But I can memorize the words because i can pronounce the words in my mind and then i can look them up later mm-hmm. but with non-latin character sets you can't do that it's like swish scribble scribble swish, swish. yeah and you can kind of, like at one point i memorized what uh a couple of the cities i was going to what they were but then when i was there because i was in like very uh travely uh, places everything had an english you know there's english everywhere so i never yeah. got lost but it, it is interesting how how horrible our signs are comparatively to to in Japan, yeah. From a design perspective, like when you mm. want to say something in English, you've got to put a lot of characters in it. You got to perform large sentences. But when you but want to do that, our characters are less dense. They're less dense. Yeah, exactly. But like, if you want to say this is a great restaurant that has you know golden flavors of redness and beautiful fish, saying that in English is just like that's not a sign you want to read. But you can do that in a character. Who set. would put that on a sign? I get your point, though. There's poetic qualities <laughs> to the language that just, oh, you know, yes. you put two characters on a sign and it has, says a lot. That's definitely true. Yeah. There are a lot more characters in Japanese. <laughs> yeah, There's katakana, katakana, and uh, yeah, three, three kanji, yeah. yeah. That was fun. Well, Ben, thank you for joining me on Geekspeak today. Yeah, thank you for joining me on Geekspeak today. And thank you for joining me at Netflix and becoming a colleague with me. Thanks for telling me about the opportunity. I'm really happy I'm here. So I have a feeling that you and I could be doing a lot more episodes of Geekspeak. Now that we're both. Yeah, here. I was just going to ask if we're doing this again tomorrow. I don't know. I we do it lunch. Geekspeak is registered as Mark of David Lawrence, used with permission. And Geekspeak is Creative Commons Attribution 3.0, with theme songs by Michael Newman of Pet Star Music. And the title today, I think we will call it Ben Joins Netflix. Yeah. That sounds good. What else are we talking about? I, I that's a that's a pretty straight ahead title. Yeah, we could do it at lunch. Right now, this room is open. Like so the me. whole podcast. <laughs> it's really good podcast quality. Horrible. All right. Thanks, Ben. See ya.